action. Welcome to Torn Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. Never ones to keep our fingers far from the pulse, we saw Avengers Infinity War directed by Anthony and Joe Rousseau. This is the film that the Marvel Universe has been working towards since at least 2012's Avengers Assemble. Intergalactic tyrant Thanos, who previously has only been hinted at in tiny cameos, is on a mission to capture the remaining three Infinity Stones. Once he has all six placed within his gauntlet, he will have unlimited power to control the universe. It's up to Earth's mightiest heroes to stop him. This is actually a direct sequel to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it is. Because at the end of that film, the little sting was, they were sitting in their little spaceship and they were thinking, yeah, we've got all the Asgardians, we're all right, everything's good. And then boom, that fucking ship comes on. Cut forward an hour, that's where this film picks up. Yeah, it does. It's like, I'm not sure have they actually done that before, where the end credits of a Marvel film actually are a prologue to what happens seconds later in a next film. I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to keep up, to be honest, but I don't, I don't think they've actually done that before. Have you seen many of the previous Marvel films? I've seen all of them. You've seen all of them? Yeah, I've seen all of the Marvel films so far. See, I've seen Iron Man. I've seen Captain America, the first Avenger, which I loved. It's got that great 80s boy's own adventure. Not boy's own, but boy's <laughs> own. Ronan Keaton was not in that yeah. film. Um, Avengers Assemble, which I thought was decent. Winter Soldier, which I loved. That's a great film. I love that 70s paranoia thing. Yeah. Civil War, which I also thought was a thumbs up. Age of Ultron was the first superhero movie where I've turned to someone in the cinema. I was with my friend Michael and I said, I'm really fucking bored. That film is so unfocused and so desperate to kind of stir about 10 different pots while juggling a monkey on someone else's head. Who's also on a unicycle. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of this, it's a film that is really desperately trying to just keep everything together in one place and fails magnificently. And it's done by your best mate. Joss Whedon. Yeah. But Joss, when I was at the screen, Joss, my mate Joss. (laughs) Joss Whedon, when he was at the screening of this, of Avengers 2. In London. Age of Ultron, a couple of years ago, he introduced the film by saying... Welcome to the screening of this film that I hate. And everyone laughed their heads off because they thought he was being ironic. And actually, afterwards, I was like, oh, yeah, shit. He really did hate that film. My God, he said that? Yeah. Was he? He was exhausted. Is that why he was kicked out? Well, I think it was kind of elective. He was electively kicked out. He just kind of decided not to do any more. And justifiably so, because he was like a broken man by the end of Age of Ultron. He had just done so much for Marvel by that what, point. What did he do? He did, he did the first Avengers. He did Avengers and he did... Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. So but, just two films. No, no, but he was also kind of a puppet master who was brought in to really help to kind of... Sh- like, you know how you get showrunners on TV shows? Yeah. He was kind of showrunning... So, oh, with Kevin Feige or Feige or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, so he was kind of helping to make sure that it all coalesced properly in the Marvel Universe. Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Volume 1, I loved. Yeah. That was, that was and probably still is, my favourite along with the Captain America films. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 
was a piece of shit. <laughs> it was rushed. It was really rushed and yeah. misguided. Ant-Man, I feel, is the weakest so far. Ant-Man's good fun. I've only seen it uh, twice. And the second time I did start to phase it out a little bit. But I still think it's a good, jolly romp. And considering the production was kind of a bit fraught with Edgar Wright leaving, leaving so yeah. suddenly and Patron Reed having to come in and basically like scoop up all the pieces, it's actually pretty good. Spider-Man Homecoming, loved it. Good fun. Loved it. Forgettable good fun. Yeah, but I mean, they're all kind of forgettable, but mm. so much fun. Yeah. Great for Batman to be in there as a villain. <laughs> as a winged thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Holland, obviously, was... Tom Holland. Just great as Spider-Man. It's the first time that Spider-Man's been done correctly. Because he was a kid at high school. He is a he kid at high school. joyfully embracing his abilities yeah. and the whole kind of world of Marvel. And played by a guy closer to Peter Parker's age. Yeah, exactly. Look, so, he looks young. He looks like Peter Parker. Yeah. Thor, I've seen that once... Don't really get all the Dutch angles. I thought we, <laughs> I thought we dropped that with Joel Schumacher's uh, Batman and Robin, um, Thor Ragnarok. I've seen. I didn't see Thor two. Thor Ragnarok, by the way, like one of the funniest. Really, really funny. dry. Just batshit crazy. Yeah, Black Panther did not like. I felt it was boring. I loved all the the African elements, like the scene on the of the you know the, the ceremony, the fight yeah. ceremony on the side of the waterfall, uh, the waterfall, the yeah. cliff great and all the you know the robes and all the the majesty and all the uh like the neck braces all that african the stuff music was, was and, beautiful yeah but when you strip that away you're just left with a very bland run-of-the-mill superhero story it was a formulaic marvel film but yes. i felt that it surpassed that by sheer force of will and in, in the fact that it was such a milestone in terms of mainstream um movie making like it's a it was a huge film like an enormous budget and it had this great uh not just african-american actually african cast yeah which is a phenomenal achievement and should really be celebrated even if the film is kind of average from a narrative perspective yes but not a good film it makes but it's a great positive thing to have yeah and hopefully the next one they will learn from they're terrible, terrible mistakes. Iron Man two, <laughs> Iron Man two. I switched off. No halfway, one likes Iron Man two. Halfway between, halfway into that um, opening NASCAR scene yeah. with the guy with the whip, and that also whip means man. I stayed away from Iron Man three. I think maybe I no, should watch it. No, you would love Iron Man three because it's, it's Shane Black. Black. Yeah, Doctor Strange. I gave a miss. The same reason you're, I gave... You're talking about these in a very strange order, by the way. <laughs> Why? I wrote them down in the order I'd uh, seen them and then the ones I hadn't seen. Oh, uh, right, got so it. So Doctor Strange, I gave a miss because... It, it's for the same reason I gave Wonder Woman a miss. I was I was mm. tired out of superhero movies, which is bizarre Were for me. Were you fatigued by superheroes? I was suffering from superhero fatigue. I yeah. was like, hashtag fatigued. <laughs> but going on the performance in Infinity War, I might go back and watch Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange... Um, oh, I don't know. I really, really wanted to like it. I'm not a huge cumber bitch, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I enjoyed all the psychedelic stuff that they did, like kind of 60s, like looking through a kaleidoscope. But a lot of it we'd already seen in Inception, that kind of cities folding in on themselves. And oh, I didn't parallel. realize I had all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all very much about that. But okay. I really love Tilda Swinton as this kind of ancient wise individual. Is that the whitewashed? Yeah, character. Okay. I know it's like they kind of 
oh, they really tried to up their diversity by casting a female in a powerful role and shot themselves in the foot. Shot themselves in the foot by not having an Asian man playing the role. So, whoops. Incredible Hulk. That was like the second one. I didn't even realize that was canon. official canon. I yeah. didn't realize because I, I knew that Eric Banner did a film, did Hulk yeah. by Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah. And then Ed Norton took over the role. But I didn't realize that Ed Norton's one was canon. Yeah, it is. I know. Uh, yeah, I think because they rebooted essentially with Incredible Hulk. They kind of. So they why did, haven't we had a Hulk movie it's like since? A soft reboot. Um, they try. They have been trying to do a third one that's kind of Planet Hulk, which is based on a very specific comic. Yes. But for me, I don't actually like the Hulk. I find the Hulk one note and actually quite irritating. I like Banner. That's I that was going to be my question. Yeah. Would the movie be more about Banner than the Hulk? Yeah, I don't care about Hulk, and that's the thing that I didn't like about Thor Ragnarok, even though that film is great, is that Hulk sulking around and the just sulk. and yeah and just kind of grumbling and talking and stuff i just don't find that interesting it's boring it's like conan the barbarian i don't care yeah but thought two i didn't see either yeah which is why i was a little bit confused in was it ragnarok that starts with him tied up yeah but that's nothing to do with thor two. Oh, dark so world what happened there uh is that not... So Thor 3 follows on from um, Avengers Age of Ultron, doesn't it? I can't... I don't know. I think so, because doesn't, doesn't he go off in Avengers Age of Ultron? And he's just not really in the film for the rest of the film. You're thinking of Joss Whedon. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Carry on. So we're 18 movies in, and this is the 19th. So there's a lot... There's a lot of backstory. And I wonder... If you hadn't seen at least 75% of the films before, would you be able to jump into this film and immediately start watching it and go, I'm with this, I get what's going on? I think you probably would have been lost at the first action scene because there's you you need to understand the powers that are at play in that scene in order to follow what the fuck is going on. So actually, no, I think that if you hadn't seen more than a handful, you would probably be a bit confused. If you hadn't seen any but Avengers films. But that's the point. This isn't a film for the casual moviegoer. This is the culmination of 18 films worth of work. So there's a shorthand for everything now yeah. where you understand intrinsically who everybody is, what their defining characteristics are, what their defining powers are, what they can contribute to a scene. And so it just kind of, you know, just lets it run, basically. When you look at it like that, it's more like television. Yeah, definitely. It's like stepping into season four of Buffy and being like, hang on a minute, who's Buffy? Like, (laughs) you just wouldn't question that. Like, you just know instantly, that guy there, that's Loki. Yeah. That's his brother Thor on the floor. Exactly. Oh, Thor on the floor. I just said that wrong. Thor on the floor. But you just know instantly, and you know instantly that um, the guy lying on the floor, played by Idris Elba, is the the, the rainbow beam (laughs) guy. I don't know what that's... He's the leprechaun of the... uh, But you know that when he starts lifting up, you know Hulk's going. He's going to send the Hulk to Earth as a Mm -hmm. warning, which is actually what Silver Surfer was in in the Marvel Universe. He would go ahead to tell everyone that Galactus is coming. Right. Is it the messenger? Yeah. Almost like a... Prophet of Doom. A um, harbinger of Doom. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, telling people what's going on and kind of the Hulk, Eric Banner, has become that Mm. role here. And he did actually a great job with that because 
when he turned up in New York and he's and he's kind of with I think is it with Doctor Strange and Iron Man and everyone? He yeah, he well he he collapses through the stairs. Yeah, yeah. And he's with Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange's assistant and they're chatting about sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Mark Ruffalo really sells it hard. Like he he comes in and I mean these guys have fought massive intergalactic space worm battle armor things yeah. and they've overcome a lot. And then Mark Ruffalo comes in and just with one look he conveys this sheer horror. Thanos at is coming. Thanos is fucking coming, guys. <laughs> and he, that's such an important moment and he really does it perfectly. I just wonder, have you heard of something called Crisis on Infinite Earth? Yeah, I've heard that, that name before, yeah. So Crisis on Infinite Earths is a... It was a 12-issue maxi-series from DC in the mid-80s. So the DC Universe canon ran from the 40s to, at the time, the 80s. Mm-hmm. And you had all these different alternative realities. You had Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth X, Earth A, Earth B. And each version had its own version of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. And they none of them were the definitive story. And it was too complicated for... for new readers to jump on board and sales were beginning to dip Mm. so they had this storyline where this intergalactic being started condensing down all the different planets and all the different universes and at the end of the 12 issues spoiler spoiler there was one all the stories started again all the titles rebooted from issue one with, with the exception of action comics and detective comics because those two Action Comics is where Superman debuted and Detective Comics is where Batman debuted. They wanted those numbers to continue, the, the issue numbers. Yeah. But the stories and the, the continuity stopped and it started again. Okay. I feel that's what Marvel need to do now. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's, uh, they have got so many kind of threads and it, it's kind of this enormous web that's kind of st- stuck onto different bits of a universe and it all kind of converges in the middle with Avengers. But yeah, it's starting to get a bit wobbly and it's, it's not easy for new viewers to jump in. No, I mean, imagine if you're 10 years old now yeah, and you're not going to the cinema because yeah. 10 year olds don't unless their parents like drag them. <laughs> when you get to 15 in five years time, yeah. that's three times five is 15. Uh-huh. That's 15 more Marvel films that you've then got to go watch. So yeah. that's 34. Five, almost 35 Marvel films, you're just going to be like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm going to go play on my Super Game Boy or whatever. They've got out by then. <laughs> my virtual reality <laughs> cowboy yeah. horse thing. Some yeah. shit like that. You know, they're going to be like, I am Groot. <laughs> and be like, fuck you, Marvel. Yeah. So stop it now after what? Infinity Wars 2 or whatever it becomes. Have that be the closure of phase one two three and four and just reboot the you know chris evans not that chris evans but chris evans captain america wants to leave chris yeah. hemworth has already said i'm done robert daniel jr is not getting any younger he's done he's gonna die the next one he has he should have died in this one yeah. and, and quite frankly his character hasn't developed since the first iron man it's the same note over and over again he no, he does actually. In Iron Man 3, he has kind of a crisis. No, sorry, no, he doesn't. It's after Avengers Assemble. In America, it's just called the Avengers. Mm. But he has that crisis where he's a successful um, 
kind of arrogant, confident businessman. And he's glimpsed the universe. Like he was hurled out into the universe. Which film is this? Avengers Assemble, the very end. He manages to like save the world, blah, blah. Oh, and he drops back through that yeah, portal. Yeah, yeah. So he actually does have a crisis after that film. Um, so he does change and he, he does adapt and he does evolve. But okay, but I he's can been, see what he's you mean, been coasting recently, for the last he however many movies, and he and they're not making Iron Man movies anymore. Right, exactly. So yeah. he's having to crop up in Captain America movies. Mm-hmm. Really, Avengers three, which is what this is, yeah. was actually Civil War, and this is Avengers four. Civil War is like two point five. Yeah, yeah. I just feel draw a line, let the team go, mm. and reboot with new actors new continuity so the new generation can jump on they will i think what they're going to do is the those kind of core um characters like iron man thor captain america who were the ones that began the mcu because they were so recognizable everyone knew captain america everyone knew thor not necessarily iron man actually no it's really weird iron man was he was like a nothing character They've they've missed the trick because there's a great there's a great thing in the comics. I've never read it, but I've always read articles on it. Tony Stark was actually an alcoholic. Yeah, well, Demon in the Bottle was like a massive comic, wasn't it? it? Yeah, I yeah. would love for that to be. I would have loved to see mm. that in the Marvel universe now with Robert Downey Jr. Knowing his past, right? Yeah, that would have been a really cool thing for him to play off. Mm. It would have made his character less than one note. Yeah, but no, he wasn't Red a known. Lord. He wasn't a known. But now he is. Yeah, well, now he's him and, and Spider-Man are, yeah. are the, you know, the in terms of the comics, they're the face of Marvel. Mm. But I think what they're going to do is retire those original core early characters and they're going to move forward with Black Panther, Captain Marvel, whose film is out next year, played by Brie Larson. Um, Guardians. What's she been in? Brie Larson, that sounds familiar. She was in Short Term 12... Um, she was in The Danish Girl. No, she wasn't. That was... Um, Eddie Redmayne. Vikander. All right. <laughs> um, she was in... Oh, Kong, Skull Island, unfortunately. She's, she's been in loads of things. Okay. Um, yeah, they're going to move They're gonna move forward after Avengers 4 with new characters, I think. New characters, but is it the same canon? I so it if they be. want, you know, Chris Evans can come do a cameo and, and, and it will yeah. not be out of place. It would yeah, be... I imagine that's what they'll do. Yeah. But even that means... But if they're not cutting the canon, then it's going to, it's still going to be quite confusing. Yeah. Well, Cause comic I, companies... think they've got their, I think they've got their fan base now. I don't think they're in trouble. I think that they have their fan base and they're continuing to put out, you know, if not amazing films, then good films. Mm. So they're not in trouble and they won't be for the foreseeable future, I don't think. Um, so I'm not sure how much they really care about bringing in new people. It is bizarre for, you know, a, the 19th film in a, in a unending series <laughs> is doing such amazing money. That either means people are going to see it regardless yeah. of whether they understand what's going on or they've retained an audience for 10 years. They've retained an audience and they're retaining an audience who will be going to watch it repeatedly as well, which will help. Yeah. But let's talk about the actual film. Let's talk about this film. <laughs> let's talk about the actual film. Now we've got all that baggage out of the way. I've seen it twice. Oh yeah, okay. So you saw it again to... I saw this. it again because yeah. we went to the press screening. Um, we saw it on the super screen, like the massive 2D screen, Leicester Square. Yeah. And, you know, I've been to 
quite a fair few of those press screenings with you and it's always the most cynical audience because it's it's movie reviewers yeah actual movie reviewers not what we do we discuss but people like you who are paid to review movies and it's often with an air of you know there's sin you are cynical people because that's what you're paid to be but I got the vibe and the sense that everyone in that fucking screen was fucking loving it. Oh, yeah. People were loving it. They were lapping it up. Yeah. And I was as well. <laughs> like, I I am... I think both of us, I think there's, we should have a competition about who was more surprised yeah. at how much they I loved mean, this I film. I thought it was going to be a mess. Yeah. I genuinely thought it was going to be a mess because the problem with Age of Ultron was too many characters, too much going on. And then this has double the characters. This has double the amount of characters. Justice League had like, what, six or seven. And they still fucked it up. And they still fucked up. It still felt like far too many characters, far too much going on. But the great trick they did here is not all the characters are together. So it opens with Thor being flung out into space Mm -hmm. to later on meet the Guardians of the Galaxy. Meanwhile, on Earth, you've got the Hulk and you've got uh, Doctor Strange and you've got Iron Man. Iron Man and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Doctor Strange, they, they get, they get up flung up into space, yeah. but a different end of space than yeah, the um, Thor and the Guardians. Banner stays on Earth. Yeah, and then you get Captain America. You get Captain America, Black, Black Widow, Widow, Black Panther. Uh, well, not yet. Oh, right, yeah. Vision and Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And they are dotting about... Europe, I think. Yeah. Or America and Europe. Yeah, they never leave the planet, do they? No. No. But then they end up in Wakanda yeah. with Black Panther. Um, and his posse of And amazing, his army. Yeah. But there's never the super duper big revi- like reunion. Like yeah. Doctor Strange, Spider-Man and Iron Man stay in space. Yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy also stay in space. Only Thor comes back to Earth. Only Thor comes back yeah. to Earth. And that's a glorious moment. And Rocket. Oh yeah, and Groot. Oh okay, but but not the all the well. I mean, half not the all the guardians. <laughs> well, well, Gamora's two, dead. Gamora's dead. Yeah, and they have this really great device, which is more television than film, of checking in with some characters, then pausing on them and going to over here to check in with these characters, pausing on them, going back to check on some other characters before looping again. Mm-hmm. Which is why when I came out of the film with you and also. When I saw it on my own, I again I felt like I had, do you remember? Do you remember EastEnders used to on a Sunday rebroadcast all three or four episodes as a back-to-back omnibus? Yeah. Completely unbroken. And it was like the best movie. And no, it was the worst movie. No, it was the worst movie. <laughs> but I I felt like with this film that I had just watched. I just binge watched all 10, 12, mm. 15 episodes of the 10th series of a Marvel TV show back to back to back to back that to back. That is how it feels, yeah. There's no character development. Not, only one character has, has an arc and it's barely there. And it's Groot. He goes from sulky teenager who's quite passive to mm. being quite a, a brave, active little warrior. Mm. No, I disagree. I think that the arc in this film is Thor. He, he's kind of, you meet him. This is, like you said, this is a direct sequel basically to Thor Ragnarok. Yes. And kind of Black Panther. Um, no, it's, it's not a sequel to Black Panther at all. Well, they just happen to be featured, oh, right. but yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's, there's, there's no, there's no story for them. No, that's yeah. true. But Thor is, is the, 
it's his story here. I think he goes from, it starts with him. It starts with him being downtrodden, watching his brother, who he's always had a very complicated relationship with, being killed by this horrific monster. Um, he's broken to pieces. He does he does kind of have very, very funny interplay with the Guardians, but then he has a very touching moment where I think he's talking to Gamora, or maybe it's um, Mantis, who I forgot was in it. But he's saying how he's lost everything, which he has. His dad has died. His brother's died. You know, he, he never sees Jane Foster. God knows where she is. Um, Who's Jane Foster? His, his Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah, she was in the film, wasn't yeah. she? She was only in the first. The first two. Okay. Begrudgingly. But he's basically lost everything he loves. He hasn't even got his hammer because his hammer was destroyed by Kate Blanchett. And he, when he crashes onto the Wakandan battlefield, resplendent in his new <laughs> cape with that new axe hammer thing that Groot Stormbringer. Is, yeah, yeah. He's just... Stormbreaker. That's the big... Is it Stormbreaker or Stormbringer? I don't know. Hang on. It's based... It, White... Not White Snake. Yeah, White Snake. No, Deep Purple had a song of the same name. That's why I thought. So let me quickly check up and I'll tell I'll you because it I'll is. Just hold my point then, shall I? Okay, that's fine. Stormbringer. It's Stormbringer. It's an awesome song. Yeah. It sounds like that 70s show. <laughs> it's Pingu. <laughs> But you could imagine Thor swinging that to this, couldn't you? Swinging what, Rob? Swinging this. Oh, yeah. He'll make you Thor. <laughs> That's perfect. Why didn't they play that in the film? Even the lyrics. I love Deep Purple. Yeah, they should have that in the film. That's like the third and fourth version of Deep Purple. Mm. But I digress. What were we saying? So yeah, so when he crashes down to earth and he's kind of magnificently restored, mm-hmm. that's that's like the resolution of that that big arc in the film, which is him rediscovering himself. I mean, it's not exactly it, in yeah, depth. It's, it's not in depth it's... because the first thing he does when he meets the Guardians is he goes, um, I need a pod. Is it a four-digit code? He's immediately going, I need to go get myself a new hammer from, you know, Star Planet with little P- Peter Dinklage. So yeah. I didn't feel but spiritually that, he's still over. I didn't feel that at all. I just no, felt I like didn't. he was still. I actually felt like he reverted back to how he was before, like the characterization before Thor Ragnarok. There was like funny quips mm. in Thor Ragnarok. In this, he was back to being the the dumb straight character, not straight as in sexuality, but straight as in the not the comedy man, mm. because the comedy was coming from the Guardians. I thought he was hilarious. He was like white rabbit and all, little rabbit and all that stuff. I thought he was great. But he wasn't making jokes. Yeah, I suppose. He was true. making jokes. He was more jovial in Thor mm. Ragnarok. There was like levity to him. In yeah. this, he was the the Shakespearean guy who just so happened to be saying things that everyone was finding funny. Yeah. But I didn't feel that I he was... I prefer that Thor. I, don't, I didn't like the you quippy didn't like Thor. The, the quippy Thor. No, because he's not, he's not like that. I thought no. it was a bit kind of Taika, Taika Waititi kind of imposing his own kind of hilarious personality on Thor. I did love Ragnarok, but it was very much, I'm going to make Thor into someone really hilarious. You prefer the, the Kenneth Branagh vision? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I like that kind of um, unintentionally funny lunk kind yeah. of thing that they did with Thor. Yeah, which is why I loved him in this film so much. And he's he a, helped me kind of... God and an angel. I know. He helped me fall back in love with the Guardians of the Galaxy 
because Guardians yes. 2 was so crushingly disappointing and the characters like what you were saying about what this film did really well which was having four very definite different uh, locations that helped uh, that kind of influenced each other and helped build this story with Guardians 2 they made the ridiculous mistake of having united the Guardians at the end of the first film, then tearing them apart and scattering them across the universe in the second film. Well, it's the Empire Strikes Back formula, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it didn't work. No, it Guardians didn't work. Because it was, didn't make any sense. No, it didn't make any sense yeah. whatsoever. So I um, was so relieved with this film when suddenly I was like, this is the Guardians I love. Thank you so much for making this film and <laughs> returning them to their former glory. But in terms of Thor, I don't agree with you that he was downtrodden. I thought he was more incessant and more motivated than ever okay in terms of guardians i did not realize that quill and gamora were even like fancying or fucking let alone falling in love yeah, did that they, happen in between the films i don't remember that in the no, guardian films they they kind of there was like an, a weird attraction in the first film and then the second film kind of rebooted their relationship somewhat and just fudged it and didn't really make any sense and then this one they're just kind of together, aren't they? Yeah. So. But I never I never fully bought it. So I never fully bought the moment when Quill has to pull the trigger and bubbles come out. And they never fully bought the moment when Quill found out that she was dead. Mm. That had no weight to me because it was just so convenient. It was almost like them saying, okay, this thing is now mm. because we need it. For that plot point, yeah. we need Quill to fuck up the plan. That's going to be the spark that leads Thanos to Earth to get the final stone, which gives him the destroy the universe thing. Yeah. No, I never really bought into that relationship either. I thought there were some very touching moments with them. Like, I mean, the first one does, does some lovely stuff. Like when she, at the end, he puts some music on and she's just kind of like quietly doing a little dance to herself. That's really sweet. And In this film? No, in the first Guardians film. In the first Guardians film. Yeah, and there's... I, think, I can't remember. See, the second one is just such a blur now because I, I tried to rewatch it recently and I just got so bored and so annoyed with it. It came out this time last year. Yeah, it did. I saw this film on the day of day to the year that I saw. Oh, Guardians really? Two, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I never leave the cinema even if I need a wee. No, I try not to. But in Guardians, I did. Did you? Yeah. Because oh, well, I was just like, I can already see where this is yeah. going. I was like, Clearly, Kurt Russell is the bad guy. Yeah. Clearly. It's because there's no one else been introduced. And yeah. They need a bad guy. And it's obviously going to be the dad. It's not going to be Stallone, it's, is it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, he fucking how he was in it, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, they stopped that quick, didn't they? I know. Maybe he'll be in number three. I don't know. Because they were setting him up. in Because that's what they do. You get a cameo yeah. and then you get either your own movie or you get integrated. He'll be in the third one, I bet. Well, I, I hope so, because I do like Stallone. I just completely forgot he was in that. Who else I didn't buy was the relationship between Scarlet Witch and Vision. I didn't realise that, you know... Well, that's from Avengers 2. And then... What, Age of Ultron? Yeah. No, no, no. There was no relationship there. And there was was no relationship in Civil War. He was there to look after her. I didn't get the idea that, you know, they were fucking or whatever he was putting inside of her. Does he have a dick? I don't know. What's the film where they have, like, a scene in the kitchen together? And then the Arrow War? guy, what's what's him? What's his name? Arrow Hawkeye. Hawkeye comes along and and takes her away. He disables Vision somehow. That's Civil War. Oh right, yeah. So we're kind of led to believe that there's something going on with them. I didn't buy it. Yeah, didn't buy well, it. Well, this at is all. set like four years after 
Guardians 2. So God knows how long has actually passed between... How do you know it's set four years after Guardians 2? The two? internet told me, Rob. No, I think that the film really tried to play around with this idea of sacrifice. And it did that by giving Quill the, the choice of shooting Gamora. And it gave Scarlet Witch the choice of sacrificing Vision. And then Thanos obviously having to sacrifice Gamora as well. Yeah. Um, but there was no weight there. And for, and for a cinematic I universe... I couldn't give a shit that, about Vision dying, to be no, honest. No, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't give a shit about any of those people that did die dying. I liked even, Gamora. Even Loki. No, I, Yeah, Loki was done. But Gamora I liked and I was sad. And I was glad that they were brave enough to do that if they do follow through with it in the next film. It's just bizarre that a cinematic universe that is so dependent upon and so insistent upon and so careful to world build in um in even and believable time frames mm. you know, this is anything between uh six and ten years worth of world building has culminated in this movie it's just a little bit disappointing and, and a bizarre decision they made that they will quickly shoehorn in two relationships mm just for some sort of payoff in the third act. I mean, there's only so much manoeuvrability they have, really, isn't there? And there's only so much they can fit into each film, so... I but it's almost of... like they didn't think of those threads beforehand. No, they didn't, yeah, it's quite been... clearly. So it's almost like, come on, guys, you, mm. you're, you're meant to be the best at doing this, and you've been doing really well. It's just a little bit disappointing. Yeah. The positives of this film, I think, do far outweigh... The, the the kind of the negatives and the plot points the quippy dialogue and the sense of fun is yeah. unmatched i loved hearing the 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 sort of the catty arguments and tension between tony stark and doctor strange and the relationship tony has with peter parker yeah and the um the quippiness of quill and thor and then sick. and then later quill and tony stark yeah that was so good. Like his, because Quill is always throughout the Guardians films. He's like, I've got a plan. I'm going to do this plan. Yeah. And so when Tony Stark <laughs> comes in and plan, he's like, your plan is stupid. <laughs> that great. sucks. How about I do the plan? Then it won't suck. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it, it kind of goes against the idea that, oh, well, they're all superheroes. So of course they get on. Mm. This is not the super friends. Yeah. They're kind of, they are really a, a fucked up family. Yeah. And that really, that's been there since Avengers when Joss Whedon first put them together. And Joss Whedon was great at that dynamic between the characters. And, and he always said, these are people that should never be in a room together, but they have to be to save the world. Yeah, it's that scene from Ultron where they're trying to pick up the hammer at the party. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the best scene in, in that's, Ultron. That's the only scene that yeah. has any life in it. Yeah. The rest of it is just grey. Yeah. I mean, in my head, that film is black and white, like <laughs> grayscale. Hideous, hideous grayscale. Yeah. But yeah, the, the humour in this film is is probably the the best of any of them, actually. Even including Ragnarok. Like, the, the in-character humour is just yes. spot on. Absolutely. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. <laughs> and the best line for me, oh, the yeah. best line for me is, once Scarlet Witch has joined the fight in Wakanda, oh, yeah. and then Black Panther's, like, second-in-command, the lady with, like, the, the tall neck mm -hmm. brace, she goes, why was she up there the whole time? <laughs> 
the way she delivers it, like, so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) It's so obvious she should be down here. And also, I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? That's my favourite. That was brilliant. (laughs) But that's just a a wonderful character. Yeah, he's brilliant. And they ruined him in in the second Guardians because he spent the whole film for some reason, finding everything hilariously funny. But it was so one note. I don't remember that. Yeah, he just laughs at everything in a really irritating way. Whereas the first film had some kind of, like, danger to him, but, like, a really kind of knowing, funny humour. Like, another kind of Thor, where he's just a lunk, but he says stuff that is hilarious. And then Volume 2 of Guardians ruined that. And then he's back on form with this one, which is great. I love Drax. The action in this film. Yeah. Often in these Marvel films, and, and in general action films, but specifically in these Marvel films, at times, especially in Black Panther, I've not been able to place what's going on because the, the editing is so fast and the the geography and the placement um, is so confusing. I don't know what's going on and I just have to wait for the scene <laughs> to finish to work out who's still standing and who's not. Yeah. It's strange that the Russos who have come from Arrested Development and Community, which is conversation-based comedy, not action-based, would emerge as such amazing action directors. Because there's so much clarity. There's a slickness. They've slowed the action down, but there's Mm. no less energy and no less dynamism. Yeah. And I can't even begin to think how they planned half those scenes. Like that that first New York scene where they're on the street and there's... Iron Man with all his gizmos and gadgets. There's um, Doctor Strange like opening portals and flipping all over the place. And they're divided at one point. Yeah, and there's that freaking creepy magic dude who can just do anything. He is... He was terrifying. I love it when characters don't fly horizontal, they fly vertical. There is a There's a storyline back in the 90s in the Superman books when he gets... um, his his mind gets infiltrated by some ancient Kryptonian technology hmm. called the Eradicator. And it completely fucks him up. He becomes cerebral and detached and cold and serene. And he changes his costume back to what uh, his father used to wear hmm. on Krypton. And he doesn't fly heroic with, you know, one arm tucked into his chest and the other one out in a power fist and the horizontal. He flies completely chest out, back up, chin up so back like straight standing. chin up and just floating like levitating ver- yeah floating yeah. vertically and it looks so cool yeah. nothing says evil more than so like magneto creepy. magneto yeah. did that and the the gentleman in buffy they just like those creepy grinning faces and they just like glide across the ground it's really scary and the nuns in death becomes her in the morgue they're just sliding oh i don't remember that at all they're just gliding Amazing. like ghosts. <laughs> but nothing says evil more. Yeah, that than character. That. I loved that character. Yeah, it's a shame that he is now He's gone. Dispensed with. Yeah. But that action scene really kind of got me excited for the rest of the film because yeah. I went into the film kind of going, Oof, here we go, forty nine lead characters. Two and a half hours of Bayhem. Yeah, exactly. And actually that scene was really exciting and really dynamic and kind of unexpectedly brilliant and it starts off really slow yeah because they're having the conversation and then tony can feel vibrations as if there's a t-rex mm. just outside and then he looks at dr strange and dr strange quiff is yeah sort of flowing uh, rocking slightly and his and, cape's like oh. but he no, goes but, really. <laughs> <laughs> but tony goes 
please tell me you're moving your hair. <laughs> no, I'm not. And he goes outside, but it's a one. It's a oneer. The, the camera follows uh, Tony Stark behind, and then we see this mm. huge fucking donut spaceship or whatever it is, and it's quite, it's quite looming. Mm. It's you know, it, it's it's not, it's not a not scary thing. Yeah, it's more like a like a like a found footage space invasion movie yeah. almost yeah. then it goes into this action scene action action scene that has so much clarity mm. and it's it's i was watching civil war last night and this morning the scene that always sticks out for me is that scene when samuel L. jackson's in the car and all the police are coming for him but they're not police he you know it's the ambush there's so much clarity between that vehicle and then this vehicle and what's happening with him and mm. what's happening in the car here so it was always there mm. it was always there with the russo brothers that they would add clarity to these action scenes that because you know me the biggest problem i've had with these movies is it's just pixels yeah yeah but they just they have a way of grounding things and that kind of slow reveal of absolutely terrifying kind of technology yeah it's really well done i love films that that take their time with things like that because those things really pay off even in the final battle in wakanda which still looks like the gungan battle against the droids from (laughs) phantom menace yeah um there's there's so much going on and it's up you know the location is up there in the the medical bay where they're trying to get the stone out of Vision's face, and then they're down here on the battleground, and then they're in the woods as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot in the trailer that isn't in the film. Oh, which one? The, sh- the very last shot of the trailer where they're all charging in slow motion with the Hulk in the background. That's not in the film because he doesn't Hulk out in the. No, film. he doesn't. That's another thing. The Hulk is completely emasculated. Yeah. He's so... He's afraid of Thanos. Afraid and ashamed that he couldn't beat him. So, no! Yeah. Not coming out. I was like, yeah, stay in there, Hulk. I don't want to see your green face. (laughs) Racist. (laughs) Racist. Did any of the emotional weight hit you? So, any of the reunions? Any of the deaths? Um... I loved seeing Red Skull and I thought that whole sequence was really, really well done. It was so creepy and kind of um, just a really nice, clever way of tying up a loose thread from the MCU. Like, where the fuck did Red Skull go? Oh, here he is. Okay. Because he was the one who introduced the Tesseract. Yeah. So he was there right in the beginning. Which has whichever stone. I can't remember. The... the, transport thing where they can like jump into different places okay yeah oh that would make sense loki uses it to invade earth yes um that would make sense but there's bruce and tony meeting again did that have any weight for you no i don't really care about hulk steve and thor meeting again captain steve steve rogers oh yeah steve Um, i loved it i loved um captain america's introduction that gave me serious chills that music i'm gonna play it Oh, it just gives me chills every time. It's like Bond. It it really is like Bond, but with like a rugged Captain America. Just like (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that bit for me was kind of like the full body chill moment. That's a really strange thing what you've just highlighted there for me. I never remember any of the score after the film. It's not 
it hasn't got the hook of those classic John Williams scores. So I, I can hum Star Wars and I can hum I can hum Superman, but I can't hum any of the songs from the Marvel Universe. But as soon as you play it, immediately I've got it. Because that bit of music, I think, is actually from Civil War or, or Winter Soldier. I think it's kind of the theme. I feel like it is. I feel like I recognised it and that's why I was like, oh my God. But there's no one no. piece of music that says Marvel Universe. Star Wars, we've got... There is the Avengers theme tune though isn't there can you hum it no and like things like star trek the new star trek films they have their they have their little theme tune which i can't remember no i can't think of any like really memorable movie marvel themes. ones but in terms of the marvel universe i've always thought the score is very just by the by it doesn't mm. it's very much in the moment it heightens the the heightens what's going on in the in the moment but it doesn't necessarily tie in with what is going on i mean the only one that really is memorable isn't even a score it's just the guardians the soundtrack soundtrack yeah, yeah which like is a, a all really that great cool bowie stuff yeah um what did you think about thanos i was concerned that thanos was gonna be another purple blob on the screen what was the bad guy in in um justice league called Oh, yes. Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf, yes. So he was badly rendered. He looked like CGI. There was no characterization. There was no warmth. I don't think it was motion capture. Hmm. Because it the, the face moved in a clearly, obviously, CGI'd way. I think there's enough of Josh Brolin in Thanos to give it some humanity, to give it some human attributes that kind of bring that character alive i never truly felt that i was watching pixels i genuinely felt like i was watching a fully realized character and i think that's where motion capture brings the strength of that technology yeah i agree he he felt like a a a real character like a real person he was there i never doubted it for a second and that's the kind of to the credit of the the special effects people and also to Josh Brolin's performance. Um, I didn't, I was really unclear on his motivations. I don't know if I just kind of wasn't listening properly, but no, it was it's basically not clear. genocide-ish, wasn't it? It's not clear because I've seen it twice. And even on the second time, I get that he wants to destroy half the universe, mm. but I don't know why. Is it like an overpopulation thing? Because he... His world was ravaged by overpopulation. Potentially, but I didn't get that either. I know yeah. that his world was destroyed somehow, but it's not clear how and why mm. and how he rose to such extraordinary power. No. Is it a, a fascist thing where he... he well, he, he was know, just taking over worlds, wasn't he? Yeah, but how did he... How do you, you don't just start taking over worlds. Mm. You need an army behind you. So how did he acquire an army? Yeah. How did he get... The, the the weaponry on his side and yeah. i know that sounds like i'm thinking about it too deeply but i think in terms of this iteration of the marvel universe they think about things really deeply it's not yeah. just a case of ha ah, i am all powerful i must have all the power there is real yeah. motivation behind a lot of these characters and there's real world life placements and, and reasons so he would have I, I see it as a, as a kind of in, in, in the same way that Hitler rose to power, you know, he got the confidence of the disillusioned German population on his side. Even some Jews mm. voted 
for Hitler yeah. and then very slowly began to break impose down own, German yeah. society and impose his own rules and take over as chancellor and dictator and eventually the war. So I would be really interested in a standalone uh, Thanos prequel movie. Hmm. I want to know who this guy is because he's only been hinted at as a purple guy, mainly cloaked in shadow. Yeah. Playing with a gauntlet in either very, very quick. He's in, he's in a couple of very quick scenes in Guardians, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. But mainly it's in he's credit float, He's floating on his throne. Yes, like yeah. Skeletor. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but he's also in credit stings. But he's not ever been like, hi, I'm Thanos. Nice to meet you. That yeah. kind of... Here's he, my backstory. Yeah. So I, I would be really interested to know who is this guy and where does he come from? Where does he go? Cotton Eye Joe again. Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. yeah. I liked, I really, really liked the his relationship with Gamora. I thought that was really well handled. Yeah, it, it wasn't fucked up relationship he has with Nebula as well, where she's been pulled into pieces. Yeah, that that perspective oh, when man. you 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 turn and you yeah. realize she's being pulled apart, it's like an the scream, yeah, the, the blood curdling scream. I still didn't have an emotional connection to any of the deaths or any of the reunions. Really? Like I said, so very quick. Loki is done with. Yeah, didn't give a shit. Gamora. Didn't give a shit. I wanted them to be brave and kill a main cast member. They stabbed Tony, Mm. but through the side of the body, not the stomach. Tony should have died in this film. But they need to save him for Avengers 4, where he is going to sacrifice himself for the world, I think. What What makes you think he'll sacrifice himself? Because there's going to be a price to getting everyone back. And he's going to be that price, I think. I think he's going to end his tenure as Iron Man and he's going to sacrifice himself to destroy the Soul Stone, which is going to restore order to the universe. But is that in his character? I see that more as a Captain America thing. Captain it, America's it done is. that already. Yeah, it is It is more Captain America. But I think outside of the movies, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of done with Marvel, I think. And I, I think that that will be a, a, a good way to send him on his way. Yeah, so that's why. And that's the interesting thing as well that my boyfriend pointed out, which is everybody chose to sacrifice the person they had to to achieve something. So Star-Lord was willing to sacrifice Gamora, but Thanos turned his bullets into bubbles. Yes. And uh, Scarlet Witch did sacrifice Vision, but then time was reversed. Yep. The only person who didn't was Doctor Strange. He spared Iron Man by yes, giving Thanos by giving the, the time stone. stone. But... That was to serve the next story. Well, he knew that the stone would get to him anyway. He knows yeah. that this, that, that, that reality, that, uh, that timeline that Thanos will get all the stones was the only one. Yeah. Did you pick that up? Yeah. I think I didn't pick that up it until was one the in second. Like six billion or something. Yeah, but I didn't pick yeah. that up until the second viewing that that's what he meant. This yeah. was the only one. Yeah. There was only one reality and. Thanos wins in mm. this one. Mm. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed all of that. Um, Doctor Strange's fight, fighting powers in that sequence where they're all up against Thanos. And he's kind of like duplicating himself into hundreds of Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, and he's and got like the, the, the arms of like that, that Indian god. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, thought, with like the lasso or whatever it was. Yeah, that's what you want to see when you have Doctor Strange. You just want to see weird, kind of odd 
battle tactics that don't make any sense but look really cool. <laughs> One character that I was really disappointed that they just didn't use was Black Widow. I was about to say that, yeah. She gets, she, what, three lines? She's barely in it. Yeah. Like, if you took her out, if you took that character out, the movie is unchanged. Yeah. Because she doesn't, they don't allow her to do anything. Mm. This is a really male-dominated film apart from Gamora. Mm. And yeah. Gamora doesn't really do anything. But maybe there, maybe in the next one she's going to be... Hang on. Is she still alive at the end? I can't remember. She is, isn't she? I'm pretty sure she's the one who's still alive. What does, what does Wikipedia say? Uh, yeah, Black Widow is still alive, but at the end of Avengers. So everyone kind of get... Well, half the population, supposedly... Get ashed. ...of the universe get ashed. Which is really inconsistent... Just random, isn't it? Which is, A, it's random, but also the amount of time that it takes. Oh, like, yeah. Peter had, which is the most, that was the most heartbreaking bit. Yeah. That's when I welled up. That was the emotional connection for me. That I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Because he's just a fucking kid. Yeah. He's just a kid. Floating and, in space, getting And he's polarized. just like grabbing onto his father figure. Saying, I yeah. don't want to die. And he just flitters yeah. to nothing. It's horrible. And that's a, it's a fucking kids movie. <laughs> it's a really, really dark way to end. Like the biggest blockbuster of the year. Yeah. Sorry, half the characters are dead. And, and one of them's a fucking teenager. Yeah. So that was Avengers Infinity War, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Get ready. Captain America's coming. what do you think of avengers infinity war did it live up to your expectations are you excited for the fourth one should black widow have been in it more tell us go on twitter we're at tom stubbs pod let us know what you think if you like what we do head to itunes rate and review us click like and share that's what we do these days and if you like film television music and culture head to move to trash.co.uk we're off to chase some stones until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut. <laughs>